You're listening to a live service from Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. Why don't you just give the Lord a hand clap of praise tonight? I think he's worthy. I think he's worthy tonight. For I don't believe he's ever forsaken us. He's never forgotten us. For he is a God that is rich in mercy. He is a God that knows everything there is to know about you. You're not doing anything or going through anything that is going to surprise him. And, my, they left me with some big shoes to fill. This Sister Stacy, my, should have stayed up here. Well, if you will tonight, turn with me to the first epistle of Peter. Yes, we're going to Peter. Peter chapter number four. First Peter chapter number four. You know, what I have tonight is not going to veer off course much from anything you've already heard. Peter chapter 4, verses 14 through 17, if you will stand for the reading of the word. And the apostle Peter would write, If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet, if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. For the time is come that the judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? I'm going to read verse 17 one more time. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God. If you will, pray with me. Lord, Father God, I thank you, God. I thank you for all that you have done thus far. God, for we have been in your presence. And God, I ask, God, that you will continue just to move in this place. That you will continue, God, to move person to person. God, I ask that you will meet the needs of each and every one. I ask that you will anoint my lips to teach this word tonight, God. I ask, God, that you will anoint your people. That you will open the ears and the hearts of each and every one. That we may hear and that we may receive. And I pray that you will allow us the grace to apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Tonight, I'm going to preach a teach, teach more than preach, a simple message about the character of a Christian. Because if you look through the epistle of 1 Peter, what you're going to find is he's talking about the sufferings of the believer. The trials, the sufferings of the believer and the sufferings of Christ. Some 17 times in these five chapters does he mention sufferings and trials. If it is not the sufferings of Christ that he gave for us, it is us suffering for Christ. 
Do you know every time you suffer, every time you go through something, every circumstance, it is not missed by the Lord? Do you know it is actually there to glorify the Lord? How in the world do you glorify the Lord in a suffering? Well, that's what we're supposed to do. Hey, James has counted all joy. And we just read here, Peter says that if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. So Peter says that we should glorify God. As we look at this epistle, we find out that he's talking to the people scattered abroad. If you look up the word scattered in the Greek, what you're going to find is you're going to find that he's talking about the people. I mean, most will link it to the same people as what James wrote his epistle to, the 12 tribes scattered abroad. But that I do not know. But this I do know is that Peter wrote this to the people which were believers scattered abroad. And when you look at the word scattered, it's not quite like our English word. When you look into it, it is depicting people that were scattered, believers scattered and planted alongside non-believers. So whenever you go out into the world, and I mean, we could say that when you go out into your workplace, when you go out into your life, you're going to be planted out there amongst a lot of non-believers, correct? Because every one of us is going to come in contact daily with people that are non-believers. And do you know what non-believers are looking at, at when they know that you are a believer? They're observing everything about you. Every action. Every wrong move. The character of the believer is essential. And that's what Peter is talking about in through this. And it's not just Peter. I have been studying this and the next few times you see me I might still be on this subject because it's such a broad subject. Each and every epistle that you find in the New Testament will have segments in there about Christian character or Christian conduct. You know character is simply described as a group of qualities that make a person, group or thing different from others. Now who knows that we are to be different? Especially in the times of suffering. Especially in the times when we are being persecuted. Especially in the times when the whole world's looking at you and wondering what you're going to do next. Are you going to throw a temper tantrum? Are you going to throw a fit and start cussing and start acting like the world? Or are you going to define the qualities that are supposed to be in a Christian? And this, this is why Peter began to write. Because at this time, we had Rome was ruling what they called the world. They were ruling a big segment there. And they considered Caesar as a god. But after Jesus' ascension, Christianity blew up to such a state that people began to call people that followed Christ Christians. And they begin to grow in such a number, Rome began to think and consider it a threat. So they begin to persecute Christians like never before. There's some instances they were either captured and sewn into the skins of 
deer and animals and laid out into the garden and ravaging, starved, half-to-death dogs were released to go out and tear open what they were sold in and the Christian would be killed. There were some that was burned at the stakes. You see, back in this day, being a Christian truly cost you something. It was more than just saying that you were a Christian. You had to stand for something. So if you were standing for something, if you were sitting there and the world was looking at you, are you going to give in? Are you going to turn about and go back to the world? Are you going to stand tall? Are you going to stand firm for the things of God? That's what they was looking at. That's why we see all throughout the epistle of Peter things about suffering. Glorifying God in your sufferings. You know this passage that we just read. I've heard it preached several times, but never in the context of which it was written. You know the judgment of God for the how, or it starts here. I've took my judgment, but I've still got to give an account for everything that I do. I'm not going to stand in front of God and have to worry about getting sentenced to eternity in hell. But I will stand in front of God and give an account for everything that I have said behind this pulpit, everything that I have done, I will give an account for. I'm going to give an account for how I act. Because you know, our actions, our character in front of non-believers could be a determining factor on whether they will ever set foot in a church or not. You know you are the most effective tool that the church has. And you're not effective right here, right now. You're here to be edified. You're here to be learned. You are here to be built up. You are here to be in a group of like-minded individuals. So you are here. You're not winning souls right now. That happens when you're out there. You know, as a character, characteristics of a believer, and I'm going to slowly make my way towards some of these characteristics, but when we look at character, my wife, she raises these Australian shepherd dogs. But you can, once you have seen an Australian shepherd, once you have seen, there are four main colors. There are black tries, red tries, red merles, and blue merles. And anything that's not them colors is not going to be Australian Shepherd. They are herding dogs. They are long-haired. They weigh somewhere between 40 and, if you look at our dog, like 90 pounds. But <laughs> she likes to eat. But... And that's my fault. But, you see, there are characteristics. When you look at an Australian Shepherd, you can tell it's an Australian Shepherd. But yet, each and every one of them acts a little bit different. And although they share the same characteristics, each and every one of them is going to act a little bit different. We've got two of them, and one's as hyper as what hyper can be, and one's as mellow and laid back back as what you could ever ask for one. And when you're used to the one that's laid back, and then you get the one that's hyper, it's a big dick change. 
But you see, the characteristic of that breed, of that group, is still what defines them. When you go to look for one of them, you're not looking outside of that box. You're looking for them characteristics. When the world is looking for a believer, they're truly wanting to look and see someone that is living by the Word of God. You know, the worst thing that's ever that you can do for the church is to come to church, profess to be a Christian, and then go out and live for the world. We've heard it time and time again, but yet many still do it. But I want, I'm going to ask just a couple people. I'm going to bring them up here for just a minute. I want to show, I, I've, I really want to get this characteristic thing in our minds. So, Pastor Brian, will you come help me? Brother Troy, since Pastor picked on you this morning, just stand right here and sis, Sister Melissa, can you come and help me? Just one, two, three. That'll work right there. All right. I've got three people up here and three believers. I, I do believe each and every one of these are saved. I mean, I'm pretty sure of it anyways. <laughs> but we got different sexes. We got two different, male and female. I'm going to clarify that because there is no other gender besides male and female. We've got Three different heights, two different hair colors, and no hair. <laughs> All right. So just looking, if you did not know these three individuals, would you characterize them besides being white in the same group? They don't share many of the same characteristics. Different heights, different builds, different hair colors, different patterns. But when the Bible tells us that we are born again, we are buried with Him. We are baptized in Him. We are risen up a new creation in Christ. At that time, we get, at that time what happens? We receive the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, right? And the Holy Spirit begins to lead us and to guide us into what? Some truth? All truth. He begins to lead us and guide us. He begins to change us. You know, Jeremiah 31 and 33, I believe it is, Sister Sarah. See, I'm going to show you that each and every one of us believers... But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. So he wrote on each and every one of these people's hearts. He wrote the moral law of God. Right? So what does that do to a believer? Hey, I know I'm teaching. I know... It's kind of different, but we got to get this. 
if they both got the self and same spirit, they didn't get three different spirits, they got all the same one with the same characteristics. They got the one that is leading all three of them should be leading each of them in their own separate paths to Christ. Right? And how he is doing this is through sufferings, through trials, through persecutions. He's using these things to allow us to grow closer. He's using these things to change the things in us that needs to be changed to allow us to depend on him and move closer to the Lord. So whenever we see Christians all over the world acting different, how can this be? Because the characteristics of a believer of one, two, and three, although they are mildly, they are different, every one of them. If I stand up here, I'm different too. Way better looking. Amen. <laughs> you know, that's something pastor would say. Ah, forgive me. It is. <laughs> All right. But what I'm saying here is they are all on their each path. He has characteristics of the body of, of Christ, should I say. He is... I'm going to... I mean, you may or may not agree with me, but I believe he is rock solid in his faith. I believe that he is someone that's not going to be wavered. He's not going to be moved. He's going to believe. He's going to preach the Word of God. He is going to... Do what is right in the sight of God to the best of his ability. He is a man of faith. And faith is a characteristic that should always be in the life of the believer. Someone that prays about everything. Someone that walks towards God and, but does not take a step without the leading of the Holy Spirit. And while that's not the only trait, that is one that I say you might see something different. And as Pastor mentioned this morning, Brother Troy, he has a servant's heart. He is one that is always wanting to do a work for God. He, he loves the Lord. There is no question about it. If there is one thing I could tell anybody is that Brother Troy, he loves the Lord. He loves God. No matter what, he loves God. And love is a big characteristic that is in the life of a believer. Sister Melissa... Well, she is also a pillar of faith. That's right. That's right. But she is also, you know, a lot of times if you didn't know she was going through something, all you're going to see is a smile on her face. That's right. You're going to see a little bit of joy because she knows what she's got on the inside. It's right. a lot stronger than what's going on on the outside. Right. Because the joy that the believer has should always bring you up in circumstances. It should be what you fall back on because you know this life is not but a vapor. You know the things you are going through are not going to define you. Because the joy of being born again, the joy of becoming more like Christ, the joy of being that person that is longing to know and gain intimate knowledge of Christ, even if it's going to cost us a little bit. That's the joy we have to look forward to as a Christian. So, three different people, but three, as the way I see it, and like I said, you might look at them and see different characteristics that describe a Christian, and that's fine. But you know, that's three things that, although they might have strengths in where they're at in their walk, 
Brother Troy, like I said, he's still growing in the Lord. This has every one of us. His walk is a growing day by day. You know, and I'm not saying he don't have joy in the Lord, but his joy might be a little bit, should I say, harder to see sometimes than what Sister Melissa's is. And that's where the sufferings are going to come into play because his suffering, once he gets through that trial, he's going to look back and see, man, you see what God did? That joy is going to begin to grow. That joy is going to be more prevalent in the believer. That allows God to work in them. Pastor Brian... Stubborn, won't be moved, will not be moved away from the direction God's pointed him. Good trait. But patience might not be as high on the list. I am talking, I thought about him, but. Now, I'm not saying these have or have not these qualities, but what I am trying to say is, although we have different characteristics, thank you guys, although we have different characteristics, we're all still of the same body. You should be able to tell us by them things. Because we should all have an amount of joy in us. Don't no one want to see a Christian be a storm cloud all day long? If that's what Christians are like, I don't want to be one. I'm sorry, I don't. Because if there's not going to be a little bit of joy in my life, I don't want it. My sufferings for Christ is still better than being a storm cloud. But being having a bad day is not the same. We're all going to have bad days, I get it. And when the world's looking at us, when the world is looking at you and waiting for you to mess up, you know that time when you're right in the middle of a whole thing of non-believers and you just got done preaching to them and then you get some bad news and you begin to say things you shouldn't or your patience just totally runs out and you mess up. What defines a Christian at that point? The act of repenting. The act of saying, guys, hey, y'all might not know this, but I'm sorry. I didn't mean, I mean, I'm going to ask for you to forgive me. And then I'm going to go and ask God to change that in me. We're not perfect. We're not cookie-cutter Christians. But the character that what defines each and every one of us should align with the Bible. That's right. It's not all right to leave church on Sunday night and go to the bar and go drinking. It's not all right to have social drinks. Anything you do that could cause a brother to stumble is a sin. And I'm sorry. As long as they're alcoholics, that's as far as the debate I'm going with alcohol. I don't care how many ways you want to try to translate it. If it will make one of my brothers maybe stumble, and I have some people that I know that used to be alcoholics that don't want to be around it. 
So I'm done with that conversation. Gambling the same way. I've seen people spend their whole week's paycheck on gambling. And it's sad when you live in a county that just voted in alcohol to be a wet county again. And the biggest promoters was a church. They showed up at my door wanting my vote. They didn't show up a second time. I told them exactly where my vote was going to be. Yeah. But that's okay. Because we are to stand for something. Whenever the world is looking at us, you know, character and conduct is big in the book, this epistle of Peter. Because our conduct is, it brings it down to a personal it's a standard of personal behavior, especially as based on moral principles. The word moral. We already kind of covered that. Because if we all should be conducting our lives in the same manner, our moral principles are to be lined up also. Because the character of which we have should be being built up from the inside. You know... Everybody knows my story. I once was lost, but then I was found. Right. I once liked to drink beer, but after the Lord got a hold of me, not no more. There was no more alcohol. There was no more nicotine for sure. I had quit before, but I sure wouldn't touch it now. There was no more filthy language. There shouldn't be no cussing saints. Nor sipping saints, again. These things that we see. Because when you go out and you begin to cuss and drink, are you acting like a Christian or the world? If you are actually the salt of the earth, if you are the light in the darkness... How are you doing that when they can't even tell you apart? I was showing pastor this morning some pictures of a church. And if you did not, if I did not tell you it was a church, you would have thought it was a bar. Neon lights above the coffee bars. We didn't there wasn't no altars or pews. There was round tables, people sitting there drinking their lattes looking like they was watching a comedy act, and they probably really was, just to be a little blunt about it. Because there is so much like the world, and so much not even... I mean, it's sad. When you're going to church and you're looking like you're at a bar, dressed like you're going to a bar. Hey, I'm not going to put anybody under law on how to dress. But the same moral principles, the same leading Holy Spirit, He's going to guide you in how to dress modestly. He's going to guide you on to what cover, to cover up and what not to cover up. Amen. I'm, I mean, I can tell you how to dress all day long, but I'm not going to be able to tell you how to cover up the ugliness of the heart. And that's the ugly that we don't want to see. You can't put enough makeup over that. You can fool me. You can fool these men. 
But you cannot fool God. So, as a born-again believer, we received the same Spirit. We have identified the char- some of characteristics that we should not have. I mean, that we should have. But, you know, when we begin to talk about these characteristics, a lot of times people go straight to the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is part of it. But we never talk, go beyond that. We never talk about the what not to do's. Because right here in verse, let's see, it is verse 15. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer. Or as a busybody in other men's matters. So I got to reading this and I'm like, murderer. I'm good. Really, I'm not. What did Jesus say about the murderer, the commandment of murder? What did he say? Hmm? If you hate your brother, you are guilty of what? Murder. I mean, that put, hey, I've done a lot of repenting this last week after studying this. I've even made a few phone calls to say I'm sorry. But if you hate your brother, you know that person in the world that's reproaching you, that person that is causing you strife, that person you can't stand to be around, I don't care what kind of excuse you make. If you hate him, if you have hate in your heart for him, you're hating God's creation. You are hating someone that God perfectly and wonderfully made. You are hating, you are murdering him, you are murdering him. We have evildoer, someone that just does bad all the time. A busybody. You know, I thought it odd. Busybody was listed as a thief and an evildoer and a murderer. You know what a busybody is? Someone that has appointed themselves over someone else's situation. Someone that has inserted themselves into your life, into your problems, into what you are doing. Someone that has to be in the know. Hey, can I say something? If it don't involve you and you can't fix it, it's none of your business. None of your business. Hey, you know what I hate worse? Is to hear other people's business. Unless somebody comes to me and says, can you pray? And you can bet I will pray and it will go no further than between me and you and God. You know how many Christians have been hurt because they've asked somebody to pray for them and then somebody come up to them and say, what about this and this and this? Well, how would you hear about that? Well, that person you asked to pray for, they went around telling everybody to pray for you too. 
It's none of your business. Hey, don't be that person. What that does is that effectively goes against, for one, the Word of God, and for two, that person that asked is never going to trust you again. And actually, he's going to have trouble trusting anybody else after that. If someone has enough confidence in you to say, pray for me, please, hey, that should make you feel good. But don't jeopardize that. Don't jeopardize it. And two, whenever you become that person that has appointed yourself to other people's business, you are truly effectively murdering their reputation. When you go around talking about other people, when you go around saying how so-and-so didn't do this or didn't do that right or you didn't think they should have done this or didn't done that and so on and so on, you are effectively murdering their reputation. You're doing zero good for the body of Christ. Zero good. Because that's what you get in the world. Do you know how many people? <laughs> I live in Dalton. I mean, Dalton, if you blink, you're going to pass it. My closest neighbor is like a mile away. And in the city of Dalton, even if you took it to the far-reaching areas, there's not that many people. But do you know how fast news travels in Dalton? People ask me all the time, what about so? I don't know. I don't know. But then I'll go down to the, to the store and I find out because they're all talking about it. Everybody's in the know. They're wanting to know everything about everybody. Hey, there's things I'm going to go through. I might ask a select few to pray for me for. And sometimes I might just say pray for me and not even say what for. But that's between me and God. If I think of you enough to ask you, please don't be talking about it. And do me a favor. You know you are to love each other with a agape type of love. And I'm fixing to take you to that, but if you hear someone talking about me and you say you're my friend, can you actually stand up for me? Or just say, hey, I don't believe that's none of our business. Can you just please change the subject? Because I really don't want to hear it. But no, the flesh, and I'm not beating us up. We're all guilty. I'm not talking about anything that none of us has ever done. But what I am trying to do is not beat us up. But well, as I go through these things, and I'm going to have to be done before long, but as I go through these things, it's allowing the Holy Spirit to search the inward parts of each of our hearts. Because, like I said, we're going to have problems with some of these. And my problems aren't their problems. Their problems aren't mine. So the Holy Spirit's going to bring some things out. 
And when I see these things, my proper reaction is to say, God, I see this in me now. I didn't see that. Because, you know, if I could see what y'all seen about me, I would change a whole lot faster. That make sense? Because if you was around me all the time, you'd see some things you didn't like pretty quick that I don't see. I heard that, amen. <laughs> but we don't see these things. And if we never teach them, if we don't never bring them up, the Holy Spirit's going to have a hard time of bringing them to our attention. And the, like I said, it all goes back. While we're in sufferings and reproaches and we are in our trials, what are people seeing in the body of Christ? What are they seeing? Are they seeing a group of people that are gathered together with each other, supporting each other? Or are they seeing a bunch of busybodies? Are they seeing a bunch of murderers and thieves and... All these things that you would expect to see in the world. Because our character should all align to be the person that people can look at and say, no matter what, I have seen them go through a lot of things. I've seen bills come and that they don't know how to pay them. I have seen their problems in their marriage. I have seen from the outside the problems in, with their kids. I have seen from the outside the world has just pounced on them. I've seen them rejected by people because of their faith. I have seen them make, mock them and make fun of them. But no matter what, they stand there. They stand there tall. They stand there with a character that is of a Christian. Back up with me to Verse 8. And I am fixing the clothes. And above all things, have fervent, fervent. Same word is used in James, where he says fervent, effectual prayer. This is fervent charity or fervently loving among yourselves. For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. So, if we love, if we fervently, truly love one another, if we fervently, I mean, truly, this is the agape type of love if you look it up. It is the God kind of love that should be instilled and be growing in us to, towards one another. It covers a multitude of sins. What does that covering a multitude of sins actually mean? Well, if you love one another, it is going to keep you from doing a lot of things that you wouldn't do. Because if you truly, fervently love, you're not going to be talking about your brother. But also, you're going to be covering up some. Because if you love somebody, you're also going to say, Brother, what you're doing is not right. It's between you and God, but that's not right. All Christians don't do that. Paul did. Except for Paul didn't pull, pull Peter to the side. He did it right there in front of everybody. Rebuked him. Said, so what you're doing is not right. But, 
if we truly have a characteristic among the believer of this fervent, eager, that type of love that you just can't wait to see one another. Can't wait to assemble together. It, I know sometimes I don't feel like going to church, but I come, you know why? Because I want to. I don't want to, but I know something within me wants to. The flesh is warring against the spirit at times, but I show up. And I know because I show up, there's people watching. You know, my kids are watching. My kids are seeing if I come to church or if I don't. Because if I quit coming to church because of happenstance and circumstance, what do you think my kids are going to do when the same thing hits them when they get older? They're going to quit coming to church. I want them in church. I want them in the presence of God. I want them here. Because God's what's going to get them through, not me. I'm trying to show by example. Just as I'm... No, I'm not perfect. I'm far from it. Man, every day I see things in me that I wish I could change. And I ask God to change them. And some of them he takes really quick and some of them I'm still having to deal with. Or the people around me is actually having to deal with them more than me. And you know what hurts me more than anything? So when I see a characteristic that I have shown in my life that is not pleasing to God pop up in one of my children, that just, oh, that hurts. Because people are watching in the world so much more. So, Brother Jeff's coming. I didn't get near as far as I wanted. And I know I'm not done. We will be touching on it some more, but these characteristics of love, peace, joy, faithfulness, long-suffering, loving fervently one another should be so exuberant. It should be so magnificent within the body People from the outside should be able to say, I want what they've got. And you know, I will give this church one thing. I have heard over and over and over from people that came. They have just made, they just look like they love each other so much. They just made me so welcome. And that is because we are growing in love. We are growing in the fruit of the Spirit. We are growing in these characteristics because of the message of Christ and Him crucified because you're not going to mature in Christ without it. You're not going to mature in your characteristics without Christ, Jesus, and what He has already accomplished on the cross because it's only by the Spirit. No, you cannot change yourself. No, you cannot change the things that you want changed in you yourself. I meet with a bunch of guys every week. They would have already changed themselves if they could. It is only by the Spirit and it's only by placing your faith in Jesus and sitting there watching and relying on what the work He has already done on the cross of Calvary and allowing the Spirit to move. Some things are going to fall off really fast. Things are going to grow. 
these things that the Lord shows us, let's not run from them no more. Let's meet them head on and say, I know I have this problem. I know the Spirit has showed me, and I know I can't defeat it, but I know that Jesus already has, so I'm placing my faith one more time into Jesus. I'm placing my faith in what He has already done, and I'm trusting Him to change this in me. So here's what we're going to do. Brother Jeff begins to sing. I'm just going to open the altars. I haven't left anybody out. I know there's things each and, in each and every one of us that needs to be changed. And I'm trusting that the Lord has pointed or the Holy Spirit has already showed you something that needs changed or has been dealing with you in the past. Or you might be suffering and you might not be handling it as good as what you should be for the people around you. I don't know. But I know there's people watching and people's lives could be in the balance just by your actions. So, let's get alone with the Lord and just ask Him one more time to help us with these things. To change these things we see and that they have brought about. To change them in us and to help us. Because we all need it. Amen. Altars are open. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. When it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I needed. When it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. When the music fades and all is stripped away, I simply come. Our contact for prayer or donations is by mail, Faith Worship Center, P.O. Box 296, Porsche, Arkansas, 72457. Through Messenger or PayPal, you can find that link on Facebook also. Thank you and God bless you and your family.